0: We're doing like a book review of small groups and sure. um we had one this morning and we're talking about this scenario where uh, a team was unsuccessful and he asked the coach what well, why is the team failing and coach is kind of like the players aren't delivering ask the players why isn't the i'm oversimplifying True. why aren't you succeeding coaches are doing the wrong thing so anyway like coaches and team were going in different direction so I asked our guys, like, how do we avoid that? And it's all about communication. It's, it's basically, we're a machine with all these gears, and the communication is like the grease of the oil that keeps it all working.
1: Hey there, and welcome to With Intention Season 2. I'm really excited to bring you this next conversation. It's with a friend of mine and head coach of Bowling Green State University men's soccer program, Eric Nichols. Eric's been the head coach for the last 11 seasons. He's been MAC coach of the year. He's built not just a a really quality program that competes nationally on the field, but off the field, many academic All-Americans team average GPA consistently over 3.0 and just just turning out a lot of really quality people quality men that are leaving the program and and making an impact on the world I played at Bowling Green in the 90s I've had the privilege to serve on coach Nichols advisory board the last couple years so I feel like I've had a somewhat of a front row seat on uh, how he builds the culture and how he's leading the program and it's it's something I think we all can learn from We dive into a lot of topics, but I want you to pay special attention to just just the importance he places on finding the right players with the right mentality and connecting with his team and building trust. I think those are really, really important lessons we all can learn from. So uh, without further ado, I'll introduce you to Coach Nichols. One thing, we did record this in late June, so... The uh, college soccer season was still uh, planned to start in August. Unfortunately, that's been pushed back with the pandemic to the spring, but uh, still a lot of really good stuff on uh, how to deal with adversity, especially. So I know Coach Nichols and the the team there are doing that now, and I hope you enjoy. Thanks for listening.
0: Welcome, Coach Nichols. Hey, John, how you doing? Thanks for having me.
1: Thanks for being here. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, yeah, really excited to do this. This is this is going to be a lot of fun.
1: So, unprecedented times right now. How are you guys dealing with it?
0: Uh, c- crazy. You know, it's um, I have to honestly say it's sort of week to week. Um, when we first started, when we first got into this quarantine um, with my team, and we were there sent home in early March, we stumbled on this story. You may have even sent it to me. Um, about uh, this this lady Chadwick who swam the English Channel um, back in like '50 or whatever. So she she broke a record for it, for for swimming the English Channel, and then she went to to swim in California to Catalina Island, I believe it was. Supposedly a much easier swim shouldn't be a problem with one exception: the fog. So she's swimming. She's got her spotter. She's on track, doing everything great, but she can't see the the shore she can't see where she's going so she ends up bailing out and getting in the boat with less than a mile to go so she swam for like 15 hours and end up giving up with very little to go only because she couldn't see this for and we feel like this is really a, a strong analogy to where we are right now we we don't know where the the shore is we know it's over there somewhere we know the end of this is somewhere but we can't see it But we can't give up now. we got to continue, you know, making our strokes, continue swimming. And that's kind of what I'm – that's sort of the uh, MO that our team is taking, and I have to remind myself of that as well. You know, you get caught looking too far ahead, and there's just too many unknowns. And then you miss what's going on right now.
1: So are you guys planning for season in August?
0: We are, yeah. uh, In fact, everything is sort of uh, pretty much normal. Uh, same preseason, which would start in mid-August. Uh, our school has changed a little bit. You know, we've, we're going to start a week earlier, and then we're going to end right around Thanksgiving, uh, send the kids home, and they'll do the final couple weeks online. And that's uh, yeah. to um, to stop some of the traffic of, of kids coming home, potentially bringing something back to our, our campus here. So they're asking, basically, when you get here to BG, stay here and let's create a bubble, a sealed bubble around our yeah. community. Gotcha. Yeah.
1: How, how are they doing the testing? Because you're hearing a lot about the professional sports now. I'm just curious, like, are you guys going to have some type of protocol when everybody's together? There, there's definitely a
0: protocol. Uh, and it's it's still, I don't think it's in ink yet, um, yeah. but there's a, a number of groups work on a number of working groups around campus, around our, our local hospital, our athletic department, um, so there's a, a strong protocol on on when we test, who we test, what we do if we get positive tests, and and so on and so forth. And just uh, it's pretty much everything. Everyone on campus is working on right now is how are we going to make this work. Uh, yeah. So,
1: so we were catching up a little before uh, before we started recording and uh, talking about eleven years at Bowling Green for you now, which I can't believe is uh it's been that long which is awesome i mean that's a huge accomplishment and actually i was as i was doing some research before this i didn't realize that you're there's only been five coaches in the program's history which i think dates back to 1965 ish if i'm not yeah
0: it's kind of an ish because there it was a club team even before it became varsity and so yeah yeah, you're, you're right
1: yeah Yeah, so which is really cool that there's only been five coaches, but I again, congrats on eleven years. But I've been fortunate, obviously played there, but then um, been fortunate to have somewhat of a front row seat on some of the things you're doing with uh, just being able to be on the the advisory board and whatnot. Um, I think you do a fantastic job of building culture and building connection, both with the team and then with the alums and that sort of thing. And I'm just curious what what drives that?
0: Yeah, I mean, are almost two different things here. Um, when I got hired here, it was such an honor. I, I knew about the program BG Soccer from back when you played and I played, you know, I uh, had so much respect for it, uh, maybe hit a little bit of a dark spot, but for them to hire me and bring me in and um, give me an opportunity to tap back into that history and that group of alum and guys like yourself and, and just along back to the sixties who have uh, had great experiences here. were very successful here. Been, and then have gone on to do um, great things in their career. It it would be, I, I don't think of, I can't think of a better word than just stupid for me not to dig into that and use that. I mean, these are resources. You're uh, you have so much to add, just like a lot of your, your cohorts and you, you're, you're more than willing to do it. You're eager to do it. And so connecting with the alum, um, maybe I thought it was on my checklist, just something I need to do as the head coach of BG, but soon it became just an easy thing for me to do. And I, I found so much personal growth from it and just uh, how many, so many opportunities for you guys to grow our, our players through, through uh, our, our mentor program and just having you guys come in and speak and, and just the more interaction we have between our players and our alum is, is awesome. And sure. uh, it's, it's just, it's like a, the, the perspective that you guys bring. Um, it's the same thing that I'm basically saying on a day-to-day basis, but when you, the way you guys will put it and coming from where you are in your life, it's just, it's like yeah. tenfold powerful, so. Um, yeah,
1: so it, le- it leads to the topic of culture to me.
0: Yeah. And,
1: and I, we've talked many times, I think we're both students of what the best teams uh, do or I would say best companies you know for me I research a lot and do a lot of reading and talking to people and just how do you develop a the right team culture and that it's not easy to do and I think you've done a, a really good job with it so let's let's dive into that a bit like how how do you go about establishing a culture and I'm sure it changes year over year a little bit because you got a different team each year. Um, yeah
0: it's, it's it's awesome because I've been here for 10 years and I actually was talking to my former assistant coach he's now the head coach at ohio dominica i was just talking to him a couple days ago about our teams and we both really like our teams and the conversation quickly came back to quality kids and the type of kids and i know we had that same conversation 10 years ago but now that we're 10 years on um we've learned so much more about coaching and whatnot we're even more uh, uh convinced that it's about quality quality people you know, quality relationships. For me, that is the the most important part of any culture. It's um, people and the relationships you have with those people. Because if you have the right relationship, then you can start setting expectations and and having real conversations and um, just having people people that you want to be around. I think that's that's easy enough. You can complicate it because we we recruit here, which is which is really. Um, a gift that we have. We get to choose the people that we are going to be around with. We get to choose the people we go to work with every day. At the end of the day, we ask ourselves, as assistant coaches, like, do we want to be around this person? Does he have the right energy? Does he have the right focus? Does he have the right desire? Um, and if the answer is yes, we're going to say, all right, let's do it. And that's fun to just go to work every day with those kind of people. So it's, it's uh, the, the shortest answer is relationships. And, um, and, and you gotta, you gotta spend time with those as well. And I think I learned a lesson a couple of years ago, uh, post, post in- interviews with some seniors and whatnot. I thought, you know, each year I think my culture, our culture has been getting better and I feel pretty good about it. After uh, a couple of years ago, post-season interviews, I started getting some feedback that, maybe the culture wasn't exactly where I thought it was. And I was kind of blinded by it. And um, really I I was shocked and did a lot of soul searching and whatnot, kind of looking left and right. What are other coaches doing? And and our volleyball coach here, she spent uh, an an enormous amount of time during the season meeting with her players one-on-one. And I've always felt like I was a good communicator, but it was at this level and there's a whole nother level. And I felt like during the fall, this is, I'm the head soccer coach. I need to be thinking tactics. I need to be thinking what we're going to do in, in training and player selection and all those nuts and bolts. But really the most important thing I can be doing is building these relationships. So we started uh, right after that, just, I, I schedule out regular meetings with our guys. They come into our office or I meet them for coffee and whether we have anything to talk about or not, we have a meeting and it's amazing how much mileage I've gotten from that. Um, Cause then out on the field, I, I can use a trigger word that may have referred back to like something we were able to dig into, but I want to dig into it on the field. I'm not hurting their feelings. They know where I'm coming from. This is what they asked for in our meetings. And so um, for me now it's like part of, delineated leadership I'm, I'm giving my assistant coaches a lot more to do with the soccer side of it and i'm spending a lot more time with the relationship side of it and uh i feel great about it
1: that's really cool and i'll tell you so um talking to some of your players just leading up to this conversation that was one of the big things that some of them said was uh the way you seek input And so literally reaching out, I know you have your, your, your leadership, uh, your captains in different meetings, but just input from everybody. I think that that's crucial. I find that in my role. So I lead a sales team and same type of thing. It's just that having those connections. And I'll tell you, I think I, I stole this from you. You had me on a zoom call early on in this pandemic to talk to your team. And I think you guys were getting together pretty consistently. I don't know. Was it daily? You're getting on calls? Yeah, that time we were, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I actually after that I was like, I like this. And believe me, like we never did virtual calls before. We did conference calls, audio, but to get on video was a little bit weird early on. And I started we first started a daily call and I think it's it moved to every other day, but a lot of them we didn't have an agenda. And yeah. at first I'm like, Oh man, how's this gonna go? But it was perfect because it was just there's a few of us on and we just talk and catch up. And I think it's what everybody needed that connection, especially at the time of uncertainty, as you were talking about at the start of this. Um, so thank yeah. you for that.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting because I'm, I'm like you, we're all so conscious of of each other's time and time is yeah. valuable. So like, am I going to call a meeting? if I don't have something to say. You're, you're You're guilty about that. But we were, we were just talking about this. We do, we're doing like a book review of small groups and, Um, we had one this morning and we're talking about this scenario where um, a team was unsuccessful, whatever that, whatever that meant. And a a, a, um, consultant came in he asked the coach, why is the team failing? The coach is kind of like players aren't delivering. Ask the players, why isn't the, I'm oversimplifying. Why aren't you succeeding? Coaches are doing the wrong thing. So anyway, like coaches and team, we're going in different direction. And at this point they're, they're in opposite ends. And I think I asked our group, like, so how do we avoid that? How do you avoid? Because um, my assistant coach had an experience before at a school and, I, and it was very similar to that. And I know that head coach and he's a great guy. And I'm sure those players were good, good guys too. And they wanted the same thing, but they ended up in this kind of situation. So I asked our guys, like, how do we avoid that? And it's all about communication. It's all about let's just stay right here. And in the leader being willing to take some input and give ownership, you know, really not saying, hey, we've got to go this direction. Maybe you try to convince them to go this way. But what what do you guys say? What what, how do you want to do it? How can I help you? And and you stay kind of aligned. And we talked in in terms of the regular communication. I kind of think that uh, it's it's basically we're a machine with all these gears and the communication is like the grease of the oil that keeps it all working. And you gotta keep feeding it. And even if um even if it's somewhat redundant, you never know what's gonna come up in that conversation that mattered. And that's a piece of that grease that really needed to be there. But you, you don't have those conversations and you step away for a little bit, next thing you know, the machine locks up and now you're in trouble because now you gotta now you get get tools out to fix a machine rather than just, you know. Continuingly to to oil it so does does that come down to
1: trust and in ha- an environment of trust i would say where because again we talked a little bit before we started recording about conflict so we can jump into that too but yeah i yeah. me, that's what comes out like having that culture of trust where you can have those types of conversations and have that dialogue
0: yeah on both on both sides too yeah. right um, and I think we build trust with our players by them realizing we're going to listen to them, you know. And um, when we, you know, we try to say yes as much as we can. Uh, not that we want to coddle our guys, but mm-hmm. you, you know, as as a head coach and and leaders, we we're pretty firm in what we believe and we think it should be done this way. So we got to step back and be like, all right, I like this way the most, but they kind of want to do it this way. Do I need to die on that hill or can I give them this concession? And maybe that'll make a, you know, maybe that'll make a big difference to them. And then you kind of build up that trust and then, yeah, again, it's just more grease for the machine and then they're willing to listen to you a little bit more. And I think it's, it's a consistency too, with that communication.
1: Do you have any specific examples you can dive into where you have had one thought process, one way to approach it? You you sought the input, you got it and you changed directions.
0: Oh man. There's been, um, gosh, there, there's been a lot. Um, even just something as simple as, um, what time we have training.
1: Yeah, you know,
0: sure. It, it, this is a really random one. Um, mm-hmm. but we have our plan. We think training needs to be at nine thirty, and the guys are like, uh, Hey, can we do nine because it gets us here earlier or whatnot. And, um, Again, that's no, I guess that's not a great example because I don't care what time we train. Oh,
1: I've, it's, a, it's a simple, but not – Yeah, you saw the, the
0: input, you got it, right? Because we, we talked about just that, and, and some of the guys on our call uh, today were saying they appreciated the communication here, and it's some environments they've been into, they couldn't – they didn't even feel like they could talk about changing the time. You know, and I'm i I'm certain that coach probably didn't care either, but the perception is that you can't go to your leader and ask for these kinds of changes. Yeah. And, um, I think we're beyond that. And, um, but the, you know, there's gotta be kind of a reason you gotta, you gotta say, all right, we're going to go to nine, but you know what that means, coach, I'm going to bring it, you know, you can trust, I'm going to be there. I'm going to give you everything I have at nine. I'm going to say, sure. What else can I do? Are there any other changes I can do? To help sure. you bring out your
1: best. Yeah. Yeah. I so I came to visit you guys a few years ago, and I was pretty fascinated by. Uh, I think you guys had some type of fit for ninety. I think it was called um, Yeah. Heart rate monitor type stuff. But you had yep. technology that was literally telling you how each individual player was performing on that day. I think they had some inputs they maybe put in on injuries, yep. but. You know, heart rate variability, whatever the, the data behind the scenes was. But what stuck out to me is you, um, there's one player that I think you said you thought was dogging it, but the data was showing that he was actually working pretty hard. And then you had yeah. another player that maybe uh, the opposite, right? Yeah. That looked like he was working really hard, but maybe wasn't working at peak capacity. And it, To me that, and we deal a lot in the technology world with predictive analytics and, you know, artificial intelligence and all this stuff. And it's amazing the data we have now, but that leads me to this whole optimization of performance, really. So having, you know, whether it's 9.30 or 9 a.m., those little tweaks are, I think, are super important. So um, I don't know if you can talk to that at all, like how you guys, because it's back when I played and you played, Ball at Ohio State and professionally I mean how many times were our coaches like no we're going to grind out a three-hour practice yeah. and we're going to like you know we used to do three days in preseason I mean I, I doubt you're doing that now it's just I don't just don't think it's healthy for you yeah right?
0: but, no we got a lot of lessons out of that though you know I think that was the right thing to do at that time uh, yeah because we, we learned a lot of different things I think we're smarter about that now but we can never get too far from those basics as well because I think with all the technology and and the the periodization and and being I I tell our staff we got to be careful about getting too smart you know um, i At the end of the day you got to fight and you got to grind you got to do things that are tough if you're going to gain something great you gotta you gotta do do hard things so we do have a lot of technology and stuff that gives us objective data like in that scenario where we don't just have to trust our eyes we can say hey i think this guy's a little off today and we can go to the data and say yeah all right it's clear he is off Let, let's talk what's going on you know um did you something happen in your you know are you, are you feeling well are you overtrained? um or can you just bring us more or um or you know a guy we think is not quite there and he's actually doing doing the work so it gives it helps we don't we don't start with the technology by any means Gotcha. It, start with our eyes and our heart and uh, because there's sounds and and all this the the organic stuff that we see and then we go to the technology as like a backup um, so we got objective data that is the heart rate and g p s and then we have subjective data which is uh, like a daily um, how how we doing how are you feeling yeah. whatwardness level what's your fatigue level how much did you sleep last night again it's all just uh, it helps them with their habits, but it's uh, it's just more information for us to have. So we're not just – like, I'm sure your coach laid into you at times when you're like, Coach, if you just knew what was going on in my, my world right now, you'd probably give me a bit of a break.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think about, again, with my team, where none of us – I'm in Columbus, Ohio. Everybody's spread out throughout the country. So I don't get to see these guys other than virtually – couple times a week, but, but um, I think it's a, a bit different in that to assess, you know, a lot of times you can tell someone's energy level or, or what they're going through just by their demeanor. Um, I wish we had more data around, you know, how these guys are doing. Cause there's times I get, especially now in this pandemic, everybody's working from home. So we're used to traveling all the time. Now it's, it's very easy to just constantly be working. And everybody has families and it's in, you know, Well, I know you agree with me here because we've talked about it. It's important to be when you're between the lines, be ready to roll, but outside the lines, you got to take care of yourself and make sure that you're prepared for them for training or the game or whatever it is. The same thing for my, my guys from a, a, a business perspective. And I, you know, asking that question, as you just said, of how you doing, like I find that important for me, just to check in and see like how people are doing mentally, because they're not always going to show it. I mean, no one yeah. we prideful, right?
0: And you got to create the mechanisms that work too. Um, you know, your my group are eighteen to twenty-two year old male, yeah, um, like kind of stud athletes that they're they're not necessarily willing to let you know uh, that I'm yeah. not feeling well. So, you know, by creating that, that mechanism that's somewhat uh, obscure or um, discreet and and kind of a regular basis, so it's it, the readiness thing or the wellness thing is on a scale. So everyone's scale is a little different, but if I see you're generally, uh, your mood is generally at a six, seven, eight, and, and, you know, you start to dip down to a four or five, then I know, all right, what something's going on there. Without him having to come and ring alarm bells I can kind of get onto it early so the mechanism I think that you you create there and then the trust and the relationships is really important
1: sure yeah and you mentioned habits earlier let's dive into that a little bit how do you how do you get your guys we've talked a bit about process you know you can sit there all day long and say I want to win the MAC I want to win a national title I want to get to the NCAA tournament I want to win 20 games or whatever it may be but building the bricks that lead to that, that lead to that, put you in the best position. Sometimes you're just going to get beat playing a better team, right? Yeah, I mean, You're not going to have your best effort, whatever that is. How do you how do you approach that and, and put the right process in the play uh, from a habits perspective or just a process perspective with your guys?
0: Yeah, you know, I kind of get to the habits or the process versus the goal kind of conundrum there. Um, and it, it almost goes back to at this point, controlling the controllables, first of all, you know, so really being very clear on what's inside of our circle of influence, what can we control, um, mm. what we can't. And at this point, that's a, a daily exercise for us. What what we can't control is what's basically happening tomorrow. What we can't control are our habits and how we're going about it today. Um, and so uh, we kind of, you know, the the goal versus the process it's almost like the way we go at our tactics as a soccer program. We want to have a very rigid um, foundation um, that with some structures in place such that then we can be creative and organic on top of that. And uh, that makes sense to you. I know as a soccer player and anyone that knows the game, I mean, it's an interesting game and um, not like a football or some of the other sort so. Um, we kind of go about our process the same, same way. We want to have plans and we want to have structures in place, but we also need to have the flexibility to really be organic and flexible and nimble as things change and move. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that really gets at your point about habits, but um, we, even we were talking today in the book review about like the ripple effect. And I th- I forget the quote. Oh, I actually think I have it Gonna hit it real quick because um, uh, this is this is Brad Stevens from uh, the Celtics, and he says, "When considering the consequences of not doing the little things, you realize there are no little things." And uh, man, we talked about that for a half hour today. Uh, for, for us, it might be our left back who didn't track back on a certain play. Uh, that play may have led to a goal. That goal may have led to us losing a game. Losing that game may have led to us losing, not winning the MAC. Not winning the Mac, we it may have kept us from getting into the NCAA tournament and going the distance. Whereas Matt, Maddie makes that play, um, I, 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 you can tell I, I, we actually talked about Maddie in our call, so uh, – <laughs> So he makes that play, he tracks back, he makes that tackle, and all those things happen. You know, the dominoes kind of fall. And if you look at that's just tracking back. And to a soccer player, it, you, you know, that's a very small thing. that's easily missed, small thing, but leads to so much. And if you really look at, the, at what we do in those terms, then there's no small things. Everything matters. That track back is what gets us into the NCAA tournament and gets us far into the tournament
1: love it totally agree how do you get everybody to buy into that it's simple in theory hard to execute consistently
0: yeah i think um i think it's communication again and i think it's uh communication ownership that's which is a huge thing it's not communication necessarily coming from me or assistant coaches because that that's easier to dismiss but once we get our players saying these things to each other saying, Hey, this is how we do it. I think there's like a 10 effect. This we track back here. You need to track back there. If we got a center back telling the left back that that left back's going to do it. Coaches and, and, and leaders, and whatnot. We see, I'm just such a firm believer in that. And that's where we talk about honesty and conflict and the ability to have real conversations with each other. So you start with this brotherhood, um, and uh, accepting each other, and respecting each other, and really a camaraderie, but then that's this level. The next level is really being able to have those conversations where you're asking for more, and once we get there, then, then it's magic. Then you're really getting close to like actualizing your your full potential. Yeah. So to me, to answer your question, it's, it's communication within each other.
1: Mm. That's good stuff. What one of your players um, talked about authenticity and just, you know, I asked him what, you know, one word to describe Coach Nichols. And he talked about how much you care. And that I think that that thread is in everything you've said thus far. But um, just curious, how do you how do you intentionally do that? Is that is that just natural or is that something you have to work for? work towards?
0: I'm honored that that's a word that one of my players would use. That's, that's great. And um, I'm humbled because it's what we try to be. Uh, I, I don't have to try. I, I really genuinely like our guys. Um, I can, I handpicked them. So that's, that's yeah, sure. I have. but I'm, I, I, I really like them and I'm really just so impressed with who they are as humans and their perspective and how they go about goal setting and how they go about working and, even how much leadership they have inside when we do these book reviews and whatnot, um, the, the books themselves hardly even matter. We're not getting a ton of content out of the books. They're just talking points and we've created an environment where our guys will just go. And these are freshmen. These are sophomores coming in that just, they it's in them. The leadership is in them and they're all saying the right thing. So, um, it's it's not hard work at all. And I'm glad they feel that because I really do care. And and I guess I could say that I have a son on the team now, which has been um, really made me uh, appreciate this whole experience to, a, to another level. I've always felt like I cared about my players and I'm trying to treat them like they're my own son. But now seeing this whole experience through his lens – is is show me how how many more opportunities there are to learn and to grow through this, not just on the field, but just from preseason to uh, just the different stresses that they'll they'll see throughout uh, the course of moving away from home, coming to college, living in the dorm, living in an apartment. Um, so it's been it's been really neat for me uh, as a coach to grow from from that experience.
1: So is that that with your son, there is it more, cause these are essentially your kids. You're a, kind of a dad somewhat, yep. a, probably the, the highest male authority figure that they come and in, in, interact with on a daily basis for these four years. Is it that now it's almost like, Oh my gosh, this is Kale's my son. And it's almost makes it that much more, um, maybe shines the light on it for you that, Like, man, my role's pretty darn important.
0: It, it Really, it, it did. Yeah. It, it gave me yeah. more efficacy in the 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 mm. impact I can have because awesome. you think about sending your 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 kid away and you want him to have this this kind of experience. And he he was looking at other schools and whatnot. And, and when he was looking at other schools, we're like, "Well, I hope he can get this kind of experience there." And then he chose our school, and I'm thinking, "I hope he can get this kind of." Wait a second, I can I can do my darndest to make he sure he gets that kind of experience here, and. Everyone else that's in the locker room, you know, and so I, I can look at him in the locker room and say, I, I think he needs to be told this at this point. This is what would help him. And then I can look at the guy next to him and say, well, that's exactly what he needs to hear. He needs it. It's it's been it's been really, really, really good. That's cool. It's it's made me appreciate my career um, and my cool. opportunity here to a whole nother level.
1: Yeah. I, look, one of the other pieces of feedback some of your players gave was just the fact that you're developing people, not just soccer players. It's not just about results on the field. I presume that comes across when you're recruiting, knowing you. I mean, I, I see it. So um, that's a game changer. I mean, I think back. I mean, I look, right, I played 25 years ago and – some of the guys I played with are still not some, a lot of them, I'm still very close friends with. A lot of them were in my wedding and I was in their wedding. You build this brotherhood. So um, can you talk a little bit about how you develop people and leaders versus just soccer players?
0: Yeah. Um, for me, it's uh, like, this is, that's the, the classroom or the vehicle is that the soccer, you know, it's yeah. that where we, We get to uh, all the the values we have: integrity, honesty, hard work. um, Anything you want to throw out there, uh, we get to show that through the way we do our soccer, the way we do our program, the way we represent ourselves out in the public, the way we show up to training, the way um, we deal with tough times. I think these are the big lessons. You know, all right, we're beat up. We gave everything we had into this. We felt. And we came up short. How do you deal with that? How do you have real conversations with each other? You know, how can you be um, really tight with someone and respect them, but then be able to tell them I need more from you or, or be able to accept and, and actually want them to tell you what you need to do better. So we, we, we try to work hard on, we, we have this, it's a contract between coaches and players on, our guarantee to them and what we expect from them. It's its a contract that that makes a lot of sense when guys first get here. It's like, hey, what do you want from me if you come to BG? And they're basically, I want you to push me to become the very best I can be. Um, and and I'm going to want, I'm going to appreciate that feedback. I know to get there, I'm going to need you to be critical, so on and so forth. Our part of it as coaches is we're going to do that. We're, we're not going to take the easy route. We're going to tell you, what you need to hear we're going to be fair we're never going to get complacent with you we're never going to let you um, settle for anything than your best right and um, Mm -hmm. so that's that's an important contract but now this next our next phase with this group is getting that from peer to peer so we've we've created these accountability groups just three players and it's just started recently so it's going to progress on into the fall but on fridays because the guys are working out together and they're playing a little bit. On Fridays, they're having real conversations with each other. And not there's not a hierarchy. It's not seniors with freshmen because I don't want it to be a one-way conversation. But it's peers. It's seniors with seniors, freshmen with freshmen. Hey, uh, Johnny, I thought you were fantastic this week. It was the best week I've seen you have. All right. Thanks, Billy. Um, I got to be honest with you, Billy you've been better you know you you were mopey a little bit you didn't bring the energy it didn't look like your focus was there and billy might initially say you know screw you but eventually he's you know it's going to hit to him like yeah i got to be better and these guys if we can that's my mission right now is to create that kind of accountability with each other and i think as you're talking about developing people if you're really willing and you're seeking real feedback and you're willing to take it and grow with it then I mean that's that's so valuable in life right yeah yeah
1: that uh, strikes a chord because i have this philosophy of with my team of i think i'm doing my job as a leader when they don't need me and that yeah. may sound crazy on the okay. surface but if they're built up to a point where they can handle and own all their stuff and yeah i can be there for to, as a guide in certain situations but i know I've heard some people, I've had this conversation with people. They're like, hey, you're crazy. Then you aren't you putting yourself out of a job? And I'm kind of like, well, if that's, look, man, if that's where it ends up, then I've accomplished my my goal in, in some ways, right? So that that's cool. Again, I'll go back to one of your, your your players said that your ideal situation is actually the players running a training session and you just kind of are there to
0: observe and provide input. Man, the, the um again, the impact that a player talking to another player, I, I don't mm-hmm. it's exponentially no uh, more powerful than it coming from a coach. They just see each other more. I, I, I and we talk about this a lot and we make sure again, this is, like so much of our communication with our guys is redundant. And I tell them like, hey, we're just putting grease into the wheels to make sure you guys all understand. But we talk about like maybe it's a way we're stretching down. And maybe a guy, let's just go old school. You're supposed to touch your toes. Rodney Dangerfield style. We don't don't do that anymore. uh, And he's not going all the way down. I say, hey, um, Bobby, you need to go all the way down. Bobby's going to say, all right. And in his mind, he's going to say, I'm going to go all the way down anytime you're looking. (laughs) But when you go over there, I'm probably going to do just what I'm doing. But if the guy next to him is like, hey, this is how we do this. Bobby's like, he's got two thoughts. He's like, first of all, man this guy, this senior really is into this stretching. There might be something to the stretching because he's really into it. And two, no matter what, he's always around, he's always seeing. So I'm going to have to do this. It's just, it's exponential the difference between, you know, when you can get that kind of ownership. Absolutely.
1: Is that something, is that not necessarily new, but I guess more recent. I mean, you You've been at BG for 11 years, but you were at other places before then and obviously played a long time.
0: For sure. Absolutely. Um, And that's one of the things that I love most about this job. I look back and and in 2010 or 2011, I thought – I never was dumb enough to think I had it figured out, but I'm like, all right, we're doing some good stuff. And um, I don't think I have it figured out now, but I think we're doing some good stuff, and it's different than we were doing back then. Um, I think it – this book called turn the ship around have you have you read it i've never read it but i have yeah. heard, heard just it's about like delineating leadership and passing on ownership and the power of that and um probably maybe it's been a year year and a half where i've consciously done that and i've found anything that we have me personally what can i give to an assistant and have him own it and it's always, it's tough as a leader because maybe they're going to do it just slightly different than you would do it. And you got to let them, you got to let them, even if it might not be great, you got to let them learn, You try, try to give them sure. some advice here and there, but you got to let them learn. And, and what I've found is I've got some really sharp guys that are taking programs to another level, you know, by me taking um, the handcuffs off, they're, they're, they're owning their areas and they're blowing up these areas. And same thing with, with a team. It, it takes some time, but getting them to really appreciate, you guys are driving this ship. Um, you guys are gonna, we're, we're ultimately gonna win or lose based on what you guys are, are doing. So how do you want to prepare? What, what do you want me to do? I work for you. How do you want me to help you get there? And when they really believe that's the case, they're, they're going to have, it's funny, their their conversations and their bullet points that are what are important tend to be exactly what we think are important. But now they're coming from them and they're in their words, uh, which is also, I think, really important too.
1: I like that, just in their words, meaning they they have input into it and they're part of the process, right? As opposed to you putting a bunch of stuff on the board and, hey, this is how we're going to live.
0: And even like words like character, integrity, honesty, hard work, like I don't know if those are words, um, they have maybe slightly different definitions depending on the context and the perspective, and I don't even know if those are words that come out of 18 to 20 year olds mouths a lot, so like, but but they know what it is, so how do you, how how do you define integrity? What does that look like in training? Uh, Not some like... 30,000 level foot level look at it, but what does it look like in training? What does it look like on a Friday night when you're, you're going to go out and make some decisions at the bars or whatever, you know, what, make it, make it real, put it into your words, not, not coaches' words. Sure.
1: Okay. Let's uh, pivot a little bit. Cause I want to ask you about just perspective on wins versus losses. And I, will I'll hopefully not, uh, I dig up an old wound, but you guys had a great win last year. You beat Akron, I think, for one of the, the probably one of the biggest wins in uh, in your tenure in the MAC semifinals, and then you lost to West Virginia in the finals. And I, I believe they went on a bit of a run in the NCAA tournament. So I'm curious to get your take on wins versus losses. What do you what do you learn from each? Uh, what do you learn more from? Just what's your take on that?
0: Uh Wins are way more fun than losses. <laughs> sure. Uh, um, it's, it's 100% the, uh, the way you view it, you know, and I was listening to a, a podcast the other day that had Doc Rivers. I think you may have even sent me it. Uh, And he mentioned, this is a direct quote. You're not going anywhere without dealing with some tough stuff. Right. Uh-huh. So if you're, you're not going anywhere, great, unless you're dealing with some tough stuff. So, you got to know that mistakes are going to happen. You got to know that losses are going to happen. If you're uh, looking toward those as opportunities to grow and get better, then it's, mm-hmm. it's just part of the process, and you are you are getting better, and you're going to be better for that that next game. In the last couple of seasons, we've really done a good job, I think, of that. Looking at our losses and saying, "Okay, it sucks. We hate it." Uh, We don't want it to happen again. So what can we really, how can we really learn from it? And um, today in our call, we talked about the difference between excuses and explanations. Excuses kind of being, uh, you're trying to reflect, deflect responsibility, or explanations, you're trying to get to a solution. And that may be, hey, that was my bad, or maybe that was John's bad. We don't care who's bad it was. Let's just figure it out so we don't do it again. So if we're if we're really viewing. We know we lose games. We hate it, but we know we're going to lose. And if we're really viewing that as a great opportunity to to get better and learn where we're weak, where our armor are, then it's great. Yeah. Honestly, the 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 wins are probably tougher to to manage because. Um, we're We try to keep we try to stay real positive here as it is we're trying to always pick the the most um positive moments in games and whatnot and particularly let's say you win a game one zero you you may have may have just gotten lucky that game but you sure. tend not to look quite quite as you know the guy got in, but he he missed his shot, so it didn't score you know we we, we didn't track back that guy got in but he wasn't good enough to score. So you kind of forget about that. Um, whereas had he scored and you lost the game, you're not going to make that mistake again. So, yeah. you know, the wins are probably more difficult to deal with.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it's, uh, I, this is, this is a big shift for me business wise a few years ago, but understanding I, I lost an account or was close to losing an account. We ended up um, saving it, but for, I don't know, six weeks there, I thought we were in, in trouble and it was messy. Um, but it helped me transform the way that I went about my business. So it wasn't, it made me think about adding more value, it made me think about the process up front to ensure that in the future, no client's going to want to even think about not doing business with us. So I asked the question because I think it's I think losses can be powerful tools, as you said, to to learn from. I totally get. They're not winning is is obviously a lot more fun, but it's almost like the losses teach us so much uh, more than than what the wins do. And I think about two, uh, the score takes care of itself. I don't know if you've read that Bill Walsh's yep. book about yep. the Forty ers but his whole philosophy was, look at at the end of the day, the score is going to take care of itself. But Guess what? Sometimes you're going to lose to just a better team. And you maybe had your best performance ever, and you should hang your hat on that and be able to look in the mirror and say, "Good job." Yeah. And and you may beat a team for nothing, and you may have may have uh, not played that well. And are, so, are you just going to be happy with the win, or are you going to keep trying to get better and adjust
0: and 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 do that? So, it's you know, it makes me think again of that Doc Rivers thing. So that period you went through you probably wouldn't wish that on yourself the six weeks or whatever um, Mm -hmm. to go back through that. It's just an uncomfortable period, right? The night after a loss is probably the most uncomfortable night nights of my life. Unfortunately, it happens all. Um, And I never want to go through that again, but I also know it's essential. It's essential to my growth. It's that bout of stress that, that brings out our best, especially if we're willing to tackle the stress and tackle those those moments and not shy away from them, not let them beat you down But be like, all right, let's go. How can I how can I be better? How can we be better? Um, and you really appreciate it.
1: Yeah. So can can we go back because I think this is important, just it would be helpful for anybody and whether it's sports or business. Cause I, I love what you talked about culture, but how how do you identify the right talent the right person up front because when you're recruiting yeah you talk on the phone and maybe you go visit them you're watching them play but how do you know like and maybe you don't right you're just taking your you have data points on me like i'm taking a chance i think That's, this is the right fit
0: yeah I, man if I, I if i had that figured out i probably yeah. share it you know because <laughs> right, um, right, right. i i think, um, you know, in, in, in all industries, we're all looking for those data points. and mm-hmm. I, We talk to as many people as we can and um, yeah. listen to what they don't say as much as what they say and what are the first things. Because all, all coaches are trying, all high school coaches and club coaches are trying to push their players on. Um, they all start by saying, I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to send you a guy who's not good enough. And sure. They all say that. Even yeah, of course. Send Yeah. So we, we get past that right away. And then we listen to like, what what adjectives are you using to describe them? Um, and if it's a competitor, if it's like a top teammate, if it's if it's more so soccer centered, we're less interested because we can see the soccer. We can go watch him play and yeah. we can see what his touch is like. We can see what his speed is like. We can see how his feet are. Uh, we want to hear a coach talk more about the intangibles. And when we, when we do that, then we know we've got someone. And then we also think that um, we think our environment is in a place that we can really bring out the best. So if all this, all these intangibles aren't maybe at the surface, we feel like that's our job here. Let's get them to the surface. Let's get these guys, you know, by having freshmen in these bookeries and having these conversations, like, yeah. let's pull it out. Let's get you used to We know it's in there. Let's get you used to saying it.
1: And I love that you guys do that. Just the leadership development aspect. To me, if I look, if I'm a parent and I'm I'm trying to help my kid navigate where they want to go, just the fact that you're building into people yeah. from a leadership human development point of view, that's a game changer. I, I would venture to say not, I mean, I'm sure people have leadership philosophies and all that stuff, but I don't think people put that much or programs put that much time into yeah. stuff like that.
0: I think where I come up short is I don't have a a philosophy. I don't have a master, but I, but we're in the, we're, our boots are on the ground. It's grassroots. We we are, we're doing it. And um, we're having these conversations on a daily basis all the way, all the way through from a freshman, all the way up. And um, we're asking them, and and they know this in the recruiting process too. Like, don't, don't come here and think you're going to be mute and sit on your hands and just play soccer. Um, you're going to have an impact uh, right. more than just what you're doing on the soccer field.
1: So, so let's, um, and I won't keep you too much longer here, but what you mentioned a couple books and you mentioned the book club. What, what are some of your favorites?
0: Um, You know, uh, turning the ship around had a big impact on me. And then I think um, it, it now, and then extreme ownership by Jocko Willink,
1: Oh Yeah. Sure. Um,
0: the the things I got about those are basically that del- that idea of delineated leadership and really being able to um, trust others and empower others to to reach their full potential. And man, it, it felt like once I got out of their way, and you got to be smart enough. It's like it, it's like your progress as I learned more about coaching and soccer and manage management and so on and so forth. I finally learned, get out of the way and let <laughs> people do it. And um, it, you kind of come full circle. And you got to have confidence to do that because it can look kind of like you. It can look like, well, what's he doing? You just watch him. You just stand it back. Sure. You now you're you're pushing some buttons and you're pulling some levers, uh, but you're letting them do it. So those are two good ones. Um, John Gordon's got a ton. You know, win the locker room first. Um, when I love... Uh, Above the Line by Urban Meyer and I've, I tend to read these books multiple times and I think one of my problems which I think you and I even talked about this we'll be reading three books at one time and then you're like man I had this concept somewhere I need, to, um, I need to read slower and spend more time with some of these thoughts because um, I find myself I'm rereading um, this book um, about uh, it's from Stephen Kotler uh, about, um, uh, finding, uh, the rise of Superman. Oh yeah. Sure. To, yeah. Like, um, flow state, um, okay. how right. to get into flow state and whatnot. And again, I think I may have gone through it twice and I'm, okay. I'm just, I'm going back in it cause I've kind of forgotten some of these concepts.
1: Yeah. So, I think, did he write stealing fire too? Is that? Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and kind of, I think that gets even more directly at the, the idea of stealing fire is hacking into this flow state and what are right. going to get into this magical moment of production. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Something we're all shooting for. Well, man, I, I appreciate it. I'm not going to keep you any longer. I appreciate the time. It's a really good conversation. I know you guys are, are uh, hard at work and looking forward to, an exciting season in the fall.
0: Yeah, man, this has been great. I appreciate it. Just, uh, just flushing out some of these ideas and just getting ready to, to talk. And I appreciate all of our conversations, whether it's text, and you're always sending me good nuggets, whether it's podcasts or books. And um, and then that just keeps our conversations flowing with with my my team too. So it's sure. a lot of it is is that um, and there's no magic bullets out there, right? It's a lot mm-hmm. of it is the same. It's same ideas same context but as you said kind of earlier it's like the genius is simplifying these and making them bite-sized where we can uh re- we can digest them and really understand them. so thank you for everything you do for our program and, and uh, all you do for me as well I mean, and for having me on this has been a lot of fun
1: yeah man thanks eric
0: appreciate it all right take care